No, shit, I didn't set this up. Hey everybody, welcome to Growing with Fishes podcast. Oh, about that. That was my fault. I apologize. You know, I wish Zoom would fix that and auto pause the because uh, it opens YouTube when you hit live. And if you don't quick about it you know, or you have another file open or whatever, it's, it's fucking annoying. So, all right. Well, um, we will uh, end the video here, with Mr. Marty. Oh, yeah. How's everybody doing? Um, welcome to the Growing With Fishes podcast, episode 237. Hold on. 233. Sorry, long day. 233. Um, uh, today we're going to do a bit of a lighting update with Marty. Uh, Marty's going to show off a bunch of different lights and what he's been doing in the grow, kind of how they've been performing. Um, and uh, you know, as, as part of that, we've done different stuff before. We did a a grow off with fish ganja guy who did a side-by-side -side. marty's doing some side-by-side -side, so we're going to continue to do that kind of content uh it's one of the funner things that we do here on the podcast so uh we're gonna give you guys a bit of an update today and uh yeah so uh thanks marty for joining us um uh, and yeah. uh, before we get started i did want to give a quick shout out before we get sidetracked here i'm gonna take the minute um if you guys have a minute, please check out the Stony Scholar Family Relief Fund over on GoFundMe. Um, Stony Scholar was a good friend of ours, and he passed away from a drunk driver uh, back on um, in uh, earlier in March. And uh, his family could definitely use help with the uh, expenses right now. So if you are able to donate a couple bucks, um, you know the the fundraiser is still going on. So if you are able to donate, please do. Uh, it would greatly help his, his wife out uh, and, uh, and all the animals and, and everything else that they have at the farm that they're trying to, to take care of right now and, uh, and take care of him as well. So, um, yeah, if you're able to, uh, again, uh, uh, please help him out. He was also a Navy vet and, uh, yeah, just a, a great a great guy all around. So if you are available uh, and do have a couple of extra bucks, uh, please throw a couple of bucks to, uh, to him. Um, we'll, uh, well, Anyways, uh, it's not showing the uh, the email, but that's okay. Um, uh, but definitely check it out over at Grow, uh, GoFundMe or the Stony Scholar Family Relief Fund. All right, Marty. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, thanks for yeah. um, for uh, joining us. So why don't you show us um, what you got going on? Right. So we've gonna had the LED grow off going. This we kind of had to reboot it. I had a plant that hermed out in here and there was another one that wasn't labeled properly. So this is sort of the restart of the LED grow off, but we did get to add uh, a third one uh, that'll be in for the next round, which is that one over here. So just to recap real quick, this is the new spider farmer LED. Big shout out to them for reaching out to me on Instagram and uh, wanting to be a part of the grow off. So that's cool. Uh, here we have the Bloom Plus BP3000. So this is a 300 watt light, 
the spider farmer over here is 200 watts and the Mars Hydro SP150 over here is 150 watts. And we're comparing them against the 330 watt Philips ceramic metal halide uh, bulbs that I swapped out into these old magnetic ballasts. So they consume uh, definitely the most out of all of them, the ceramic metal halides do. Um, and we're just uh, letting them go. So all of these, here's the ceramic metal halide. Uh, you know, these are maybe two weeks in the flower or something like that. Uh, so all these were put in at the same time. And then here's the Mars Hydro over here. Now I'll go back. So you can definitely tell um, in terms of the wattage, you know, the difference in stacking and size, all that, all that stuff. Um, there is, uh, let's see, a, some plants that are further along here you can look at. So this is a ceramic metal halide, uh, the same strain, and you can kind of see how that's setting up and going. I don't have anything else for the uh, for the other ones. Other than that, I just kind of have a few experiments going on in here. Um, why, don't you, why don't you walk us through the different stuff that you're testing and got going on there and the different cultivars? It looks like you got a bunch of different stuff going. Yeah, so I have a, a bunch of different tester plants in here. Uh, one of the things that I've been uh, testing is sort of the difference between um, having a plant that is already in my aquaponic system next door versus a dual root zone plant that's just been setting out and getting top water. And what I'm finding is if I put in like this plant here was in the dual root zone setup inside the aquaponic system next door in the bedroom um, before it came into here. So it already got established in an aquaponic system. Whereas this plant here you can see is dropping leaves and yellowing out, not doing so great. And the same with this one over here, but even worse, these were transplanted directly uh, into um, the system here before getting established in an aquaponic system. So they were just soil plants essentially that were getting top watered. Um, and definitely uh, that was the second test essentially to verify that that's what was happening um, in that that is definitely true. So having the plants already established uh, with root zones all the way into the aquaponic system and having them made that transition before switching into flower is, you know, makes a significant difference um, in doing that. So um, you, also have, you also have certain cultivars that are a lot more pouty as well. I know that there's a, a couple of cultivars I have that do incredible in soil, but just absolutely hate aquaponics and just do not like how wet the roots are and and just you know they're just pouty about it so you always have that four to five percent that just is much more finicky than the rest for sure right and all of these should be sunset sherbet so that was one of the things i wanted to rule out which was that it really is uh just the difference um in when i added them in other than that they've got the you know i mixed all the soil at the same time i mixed up you know probably a half a yard of soil when I transplanted all these <clears throat> um, and they're all the same strain. Um, and the only difference is, is that, you know, this one here was in, already established in the aquaponic system and the other two weren't. And that, that's the same for this one here and that one there and any of these ones that you see that are, are much healthier. So, um, and, it really seems to be the same across strains too. Like we also did 
uh, snowman, for instance, uh, is a different strain. You can see it is much different. It's more of a purple color. Uh, this one's pretty close to finishing. It's probably going to get harvested in the next day or two. So not all my plants are on the, the same cycle. It's more of a perpetual harvest at this point. <clears throat> but you can see these are, are getting pretty close to done. I just started scoping them and they're they're not very amber yet, but uh, same same results with that plant. Much better results by having it already established in a dual root zone setup um, before. And you can see these two plants here and here just got transplanted a couple of days ago into the flowering system out of the aquaponic system. And they're looking much healthier <clears throat> than the other plants, obviously. They're not losing leaves. They're not yellowing out. They're not uh, fading. So, you know, that's really uh, kind of the different things that I've been messing with. So not all of these plants, like for instance, that one right there and the other tester plant over there, they, I probably won't even let them finish. I'm probably just going to pull them out and replace them with uh, other plants that are better established. So that's kind of the idea. I, you know, I have so little uh, free time uh, between knowledge, taking care of my dad and other stuff that I do that um, I don't have the time to really uh, run a full harvest in here at once anyway. It's such a, the last time I did a full harvest in here, it was, uh, it took me a long time by myself to just get everything cut down, hung up, dried, um, and, and jarred up. Uh, and get everything reloaded in time to be able to start the next run. It was just a lot of work. So I'm just kind of swapping plants in and out now and going for uh, um, you know, kind of a faster turnover. And so I'm, that was another thing that um, I was testing on like versus this plant here versus the one next to it were different sizes when I put them in and just getting an idea of what's gonna fill out the canopy best. So how big I have to get the plants in the bedroom before I transplant them in here and then once i get that done the next step will be to start dialing in my soil mixes again so that i'll start varying my levels of potassium and phosphorus again um i can't couldn't do that on this run because i uh had other stuff that i wanted to test so i don't want to change too many variables but uh, you guys can still see i got my two little tomato plants back here <laughs> they're uh getting crazy growing down the aisles i have to keep pushing them back and cutting them back. There's probably another four or five feet of tomato vines that are pulled down on the other side of the tank also. So they're just going nuts. We've been getting tomatoes all winter though. There's probably some. There we go. So it's nice to have fresh tomatoes. They're delicious. They're growing in there all the time. You can see. I did have um, a significant issue with uh, not getting them pollinated until I released a lot of beneficials. So I released the um, uh, a bunch of pirate bugs and uh, lacewing. Um, and then we definitely saw a lot more um, of those uh, getting pollinated on their own. So I didn't have to come out and try to pollinate tomatoes because to be honest, I just didn't do it. <laughs> so. Um, it did help to release some beneficials. It's obviously not anywhere close to the pollination rate you'll get outside with bees, but you do get some pollination indoors with um, just your basic beneficials. So I think uh, I think I did row of beetles, pirate bugs, um, or aureus, and lacewing. I always do lacewing, and then like some persimilis uh, predators. 
are pretty much my rotation. But um, yeah, in terms of the lights, uh, I haven't had the spider farmer too long yet, <clears throat> but it, I do really like it. It's got um, a really easy dimmable dial on it, ready to go. So that's really cool. The BP3000, I was able to finish one of the tester plants on that one and it came out great. Uh, I would say better than the ceramic metal halide. It was heavier. Um, this That will be the same comparison in soil mix to what this is. So I'll be able to kind of compare that to, um, to this pretty soon. And this is looking good, but it's not anywhere yet. It's not yet as chunky as the LED was. It was a lot heavier, yield was a lot higher with the VP3000. So for 30 less watts and, and appearing to get a better yield, um, we're gonna kind of monitor that as we go. But so so far, I would say, um, you know, definitely that one's delete. Now the spider farmer just showed up. I haven't finished any flower under it. Um, I just put lights under or plants under it um, not long after I hung it up. So it's definitely, can't really uh, offer on that one, but it does seem to be very bright uh, also, and it's a hundred less watts. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. I would say the the Mars is definitely the coolest out of all of them in terms of temperature wise, um, dissipates heat really well, and seems to be doing a pretty good job. Um, this right here should be the same as the other snowman that we just looked at over there. These plants were put in at the same time. So definitely not the yield, definitely not as many flower sites, um, but it still looks pretty good. Honestly, for under for only 150 watts, I don't know how much more you can expect, but this will be, uh, this is the actual test that's not as far along. So that one is the Mars Hydro. This one is the BP3000. And this one is the ceramic metal halide. Somebody had a question about the red stems. This is a, uh, um, what is the, you know, why are the stems red or, I, I, I've seen that quite diversely with genetics. Um, I've also heard it attributed to about six different nutrients, but I haven't seen any actual evidence to support that. Um, well, I do think that it can be related to both um, phosphorus or potassium. Um, I was say, so I've seen it related to sulfur and sodium. <laughs> so yeah, I think that um, I, if it was something like sulfur, then I, I would I would say that um, I, you would probably have other leaf damage as well eventually, which I don't end up seeing, um, and and what I believe it is on A is this particular strain of genetics does tend to be a little bit more vibrant in its colors. <clears throat> so Sunset Sherbert, just in general. Um, but I do have only, it seems like uh, the plants that I put in that are not well-established in aquaponics already, like this one here, it's much more prominent. Even though it's the same system, it's the same mix, everything else is the same. So I. Uh, I can't say that it's specific to nutrients, um, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I have some plants of the same strain that exhibit it, and some of them don't. I did have significantly 
cold temperatures in here at nighttime because I don't run a heater um, in here. So there are times in which the temperature did drop down pretty cool in which you'll see more color expression there as well. Um, so I'm gonna say undetermined at this point. And like I said, I couldn't adjust my soil mix right now because I was doing this other test. But uh, as uh, this other row comes out and gets replaced, so this back row and a couple of plants over there are the next to come out on rotation. And then other plants will come in with new soil mixes and we'll see if that makes a difference. But everything will be cycled through. Uh, I won't be transplanting any more plants directly um, into the aquaponic system from soil and putting them into flower at the same time. It definitely seems to have a negative effect <clears throat> if you don't have them already pre-established. So if I have them in the veg system, I can bring them over here, put them in this system <clears throat> and, and flower them immediately without those negative effects. <clears throat> so is it, um, is it stress? <clears throat> is it, uh, um, <clears throat> something to do with the uh, change in roots where they're transitioning from really being topped water to uh, more water-based um, access through the bottom. I don't know. Those are all my theories at this point, but I can say that the same soil mixes don't, don't have the same amount of... Uh, purpling, reddish color, whatever, whatever color you see that as. Um, so we yeah. had a, a question in chat. So this is it the same soil mix across the top of all of the pots? Yes. Okay. All, um, the, yeah, all the ones that we are talking about right now. The only yeah. ones that don't are that, that row out there that's about to come out. Everything so, from here over is the same. I've also seen super red stems when I was in Jamaica, certain parts of the island, the soil had something to it that was causing it and um, they attributed it to sulfur or high sodium levels uh, in the soil naturally or in the, the water they were using to, to water it. So, you know, I, I, it seems to be kind of a, it, it's some type of gene expression that causes it, but it seems to have multiple triggers, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's some type of stress response, I think, but I don't, you know, I've always attributed it to phosphorus. That's always been, um, you know, phosphorus and potassium being the two that uh, that will um, have different color effects when they are either in excess or um, deficient or out of balance between the two of them. So that was kind of what I've always attributed it to and what I've seen other people attribute it to. But in, in spite of recent tests, I'm going to have to say it's undetermined uh, because it definitely seems like the method um, ha has an effect on it. Because, you know, again, <clears throat> we can look at, you know, plants like these that don't exhibit it nearly as much right next to these that definitely do. <clears throat> Those are the same cuts? Yep. So, and those are same cuts, same soil, same everything. Uh, so the, the method definitely appears to have an effect on it, um, unless it's something else environmental, you know, like, I, I don't know, I'll have to continue to test. So I have noticed this, there's a certain, like the plants have like, a, uh, for lack of explanation, an osmotic pressure 
that they operate at. And if they're in a hydroponic slash aquaponic system, they can deal with those high water levels. Mm-hmm. And then when they're in the soil, they, they tend to not do so well. So if you take an aquaponic clone, for example, and put it in soil that's been living in aquaponics for, for quite a while, it will shed anywhere from a third to 60% of its leaves before it rebalances out to that lower water pressure and that lower, uh, I guess, access to water. And it seems once it does that, it'll recover just fine. But it seems like this is almost that same problem, but in reverse. Well, you can see it definitely does that. It's not just turning purple. It's dropping leaves in the same way that you would if you just transplanted uh, a soil plant into aquaponics. I've I've definitely seen that before. Uh, But if I allow it to establish itself in the other aquaponics system while it's still in veg, I don't I don't see that leaf drop um i don't and i don't see the uh, the native effects when i bring it into flower so and you can like that that same plant over there is um you know should be on the same timeline as as these ones right here so they're they're definitely stunted in growth and obviously you can see this plant here doesn't have anywhere near the same signs of leaf drop or uh, stem color or any of that it's mostly a, a vibrant green same with this one here same with that entire row over there so fun stuff so you can see all these here were the same you can see how green they are so these were all these are the ones that came out of the aquaponic system already established. So any other questions on that? We had somebody ask say, hey, can you show us how the your your setup is all all plumbed? Um, oh, there's a lot of people that haven't seen your setup before. So you want to give us some, maybe a quick tour of your, uh, um, maybe let's... a cultivar. <laughs> I know your my yeah. tomato plants are literally like covering everything, but let me, I'll do what I can here. So here's my fish tank over here on this side. Here's my fishies. Hi fishies. They think they're going to get fed right now. They always do. Um, so this fish tank goes all the way down. Uh, you know, these, again, these are my two tomato plants. There's one that starts down here and there's one at that end and they're just sort of taking over everything. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I keep saying I'm going to have to do something about it, but I love the tomatoes. So, um, so this fish tank here on the right side overflows <clears throat> into the media beds via this pipe right here. So this pipe extends all the way down and at each bed has a ball valve to adjust the flow so that I can evenly spread the flow between each bed. And then each one, uh, each pair of beds, so there's two beds connected to each siphon. I don't know if you guys can see under there or not, but the drain comes right out of the bottom and connects to the other side. And I don't think you can see the drain in there. There's just too much stuff in the way. 
but there's a U siphon or an external siphon set up between each bed. So two beds on one siphon, they fill up and drain just like a bell siphon. Um, they drain back down into this bottom tank underneath. So once the water gets drained down into there, that's where the pump is. And the pump pumps it back up into the fish tank, which then overflows back into the beds. And then there's dual root zone pots, as you can see right there. I've got a couple of different sizes, but I pretty much settled on this three gallon size as being uh, for the size of plants that I'm putting in right now. Um, that's what I've been doing. But you can see this giant tomato is just growing out of that one little rectangular nursery pot right there. There it goes all the way down. So I use this as sort of like a, um, like a way to sequester nitrogen in the system. I almost can't, like my nitrogen swing is almost non-existent um, just because the tomatoes will take up uh, everything in veg growth. Cause these are all obviously indeterminate tomatoes. So they'll just keep growing out new vines um, like crazy. And uh, so they'll, they'll take up just about any excess nitrogen that exists in the system, which is, is great for my flower system. And I know Steve is always talking about how we shouldn't grow tomatoes next to our cannabis. So definitely don't do like I do. Oh, this is kind of cool too. Over here where it gets really humid and I pulled a lot of the, uh, the roots over, they started air rooting over the top of the tank. So they're trying to drop roots out and then the, the fish eat them. It's mostly just because nightshades can vector viruses. If you actually have a closed environment, it's not too bad of an issue, but you can absolutely vector pests and viruses from nightshades very easily to cannabis. Uh, nightshades and roses and cannabis are all pretty closely related and uh, can all transfer many pathogens pretty, pretty freely between them, uh, just to, to clarify what the fear is. Right. And um, the only thing I can say is that we, uh, you know, we sprouted these from seed and that, you know, they don't show any signs of having any, any viruses. And there's only two plants as much as you see there. It's really not as, uh, um, as much of a risk uh, when you do it that way. So, so that's pretty much the setup uh, the, for wattage in terms of lights, um, pushing just under 4,000 watts when I had uh, so I have 30, 60, 90, I'm probably at like uh, 38, 80 or something like that in terms of light wattage, if you add them all together now, because this one's only 150 and this one's only uh, 300 and that one's only 250. So it's definitely dropped down significantly than because I took the other uh, CMH lights out in order to put these up. Um, so uh anything else about the system i have uh, more fans that are running right now um but i do have i turn some of them off because it's otherwise you guys can't hear me talk but i have an exhaust fan up there in the top corner um that runs on a uh, smart plug so let's see i'm going to try and do this without dropping you see if this works The world may never know. Here we go. Flower room exhaust fan. 
There you go. I don't know if you can hear it, but it just turned on. We can't. We got video audio, but no video. I don't know if you muted your. Oh, you video. got audio, no video. I see. I don't All know right. if I automatically reduced it. There I guess go. I. There we go. I just have to switch back. I guess. Anyway, so I have those set up on smart plugs. I have um, uh, weather station software that will monitor the temperature and humidity. Uh, you can see one of the sensors right there in the middle. So it's just right there on my canopy. Um, so we manage the temperature and humidity. And we'll, I have code that turns on and off my fan. So if the humidity goes above a certain amount, it'll kick on the exhaust fan. And if it keeps going up, it'll kick on the humidifier or the dehumidifier. Um, if the temperature gets too high, you know, it'll kick on the exhaust fan. It'll kick on the inlet fan. So um, that's kind of my, uh, I don't know, my, my ghetto VPD setup uh, to where I just sort of set um, variables that match the VPD that I wanted to stay within. And then I just let it turn the fans on and off as it needs to. And it works for the most part. Sometimes they get stuck on or off um, if they can't reach, like if the humidity is too high outside, <clears throat> then um, it has to turn on the dehumidifier in order to get the humidity low enough. And then the exhaust fan will, will stay on a lot of times. So it's quirky, it doesn't work perfect, but the whole, the whole thing only cost me a couple hundred bucks. So, you know, that's not too bad. Uh, as far as setup wise, that's pretty much it. You can see here's more, this Sunset Sherbert's probably like six weeks or so. It's got maybe two weeks left. Somebody asked what the chicken wire was for. Um, it is basically like a scrog net. It's just for support. You can see when I have the right size plants, I can get them spread out. If you look at my previous videos, um, when I did full runs where I was had a full veg cycle in here, I was able to train out and get a nice big full canopy across the whole thing. Um, but it's basically like a scrog net that I'm not completely utilizing right now. Any other questions? Uh, someone asked what type of, is that gravel or what are you using for your beds? So in the bottom of the beds is all lava rock and up on top is all hydrogen. So it's um, expanded clay. So what are you supplementing your system with um, as far as uh, adding to the water aside from just water? Um, so I do have a couple of ferments. One of them is a comfrey ferment that I add to the water itself or to the media beds itself. Um, I also have a uh, um, plum ferment uh, that I have some left over from last year that I add to the media beds. Um, but for the most part, the stuff that I add in terms of like the major potassium and phosphorus is more like um, in the soil zone. So I have like langbanite or soft rock phosphate or seabird guano, um, or is it that? I forget. Whichever one doesn't have nitrogen. One of them has nitrogen and the other one doesn't. And I always get them confused. So double check. Seabird, seabird guano has much less nitrogen. 
Okay, so there you go. Um, I usually get those products from down to earth. Um, I they're just here local, um, so it's always relatively easy to get. Source just remember, just remember what those organic inputs. So with the seabird guano, you don't want to go if you go too heavy with it, you can run into sodium issues. And then with the back guano, uh, we had Kevin McKernan on the show, and um, I'll you should go back and watch that episode. I mean, you'll never. They'll never use back guano again once you hear what he is. It's high in nitrogen anyway, so yeah, I don't use it. <laughs> as a strictly as a plant fertilizer source, it's wonderful. But the fact that they were able to find many, many species of live coronaviruses and store bought um, back guano is scary as fuck. So, you know, forget that stuff. Right. <laughs> so, seabird guano, um, soft rock phosphate uh langbanite um i like bio live is a particular mixture of some of those things i like to use for an inoculant because it has more of a fungal inoculant to it um more you know it's got a lot of good microbes also but it has more fungal inoculants than most um other ones do so i do like using that one um there's a the comfrey ferment I got from, I believe it was Casual Fields is the name of the place. Does that sound right, Steve? I think we had them on once and they sent me a sample. Um, and so I used that. I think I'm almost out of it, but <clears throat> I've been using it pretty heavily in my veg systems um, in, the, in, the, in here in the media beds. Um, not as often, but periodically. Um, but yeah, most of my nutrients mix goes heavier in the soil zone than it does with supplementing the water and then um, these fish are on less of a diet actually to help keep the nitrogen down um, not not as much of an issue now that i have this bank of uh, nitrogen suckers uh, along the back there i can still feed pretty heavily and not not have much of a nitrogen swing at all and don't see any of those effects on the plants um, that I've, I've seen in the past. Like if you go on my YouTube channel, I want to say, I believe it was my second indoor grow. Um, but those plants went like 15 weeks in flower or something like that, just because the nitrogen had been spiking so high. And I wasn't, um, I think I was, I don't think that was dual root zone either. So it was just, um, I think I was, I was pushing heavier amounts of nutrients through, I want to say, Man, I hate to say it with that, but I, I believe it was like maxi crop. I think it was like kelp and a couple of other stuff. But if you watch the video, I, I go over, you know, pretty much everything in terms of what I was feeding them. But uh, with the nitrogen level so much higher, you you know you can visibly tell the difference uh, not only in how much slower they grow, but um, you know they stack so much fewer, they develop so much slower. Uh, it's pretty obvious. They'll turn like a really olive colored. Uh, green like very dark green um so those are kind of the signs that i look for for nitrogen and usually i match my feed rate to what i want my nitrogen to be and then adjust my potassium and phosphorus mostly via the dual root zone because ideally i i don't want to spend a lot of time i don't have a lot of time in here it's the same reason i don't um <clears throat> do like i was talking about and, and run a full 
uh, cycle in here where I fill up the whole canopy all the time just because it's a lot of work. So right now, I'm, the model I'm looking for is to try to get plants about like this that fill up most of the canopy that I didn't really have to come back and train or do anything to really kind of a low maintenance setup. So this kind of size right here, I feel like is going to be pretty much what uh, will be my target will be until I get um, more time to be able to deal with that. And I don't see that coming anytime soon because I still have a greenhouse I got to finish outside and that whole system and a whole series of updates uh, that are going to go up live on both the YouTube and the Teachable uh, relatively soon. So stick around for those. And then obviously continuing the LED grow off. Um, you can see we're up to three lights already. We're still hoping to get a Spectrum King in as soon as they get done dealing with the stuff that they have to do. It's coming. Um, it's coming. I have it on good authority that it's coming. <laughs> yeah, we believe them. We believe them. No worries. Uh, but uh, we'll keep uh, building this out. We, you know, now it's getting to the point where you know people reach out to us to test lights, um, and uh, it had kind of a rocky start in terms of the first one got messed up, and then I got singles, and then I was sick after that. And so it's really good to get it going again, and I'm excited to uh, you know have them already restarted. You know, at least I I did get. Uh, plants in here and ready to go. So we've got a, a three-way side-by-side going on. We're going to add a fourth on the next cycle. Uh, we'll be able to time that and add in the plants that we need over there. We'll cycle in different cuts as we go through. So um, uh, this run, all the comparables are going to be Sunset Sherbert. The next run, they'll all be Snowman. The run after that, I'm hoping will be one of the um, Pineapple Jack females that I got from uh, sprouting Mr. Green Jeans' seeds. Um, I've got a couple of those that hopefully will be ready to go by then, but we got to make sure they're they're to the size we want, you know, so that we get a relatively full canopy, kind of like this one over here, where even though it's relatively soon uh, transplanted in here, it's about the size that we want in order to get a decent yield for the space that it's in probably even a little bit bigger. Like this this plant was a little bit larger when it went in. And like I said, it, it's probably more the ideal. So I got to build out more capacity on the other side so that I can have more plants get established um, and be ready to transplant uh, when I pull these ones out. So it's just getting on a rotation. <clears throat> and uh, other than that, it's mostly just a lot of trial and error. Uh, once I get done with finding the right sizes and get the right rotation going that I want, where I'll be back to switching up nutrient mixes, increasing or, or varying the amount of potassium or phosphorus, which is what I did in my last full run. So if you guys go look at that on my YouTube or the previous um, uh, podcast episodes where we did updates on it, and um, you can see kind of what the full canopy looks like and, you know, or, you know, pulling down more like three or four pounds in here instead of just the little bit per plant that I'm pulling out every couple of weeks. So every probably three to four weeks, I'm pulling four to six plants out and replacing them with new ones and just on kind of a constant cycle like that right now. And it helps me keep up and keep everything healthy. There you go. So that what you guys are looking at there is the uh, um, comparison that I did. This plant you see in the front 
is just um, a dual root zone, but it only had worm castings, so made worm castings, that, that was it. Um, I get that question a lot. I, so I decided to just go ahead and do it. And you see the canopy there in the back. Uh, I spent about three weeks vegging plants and training them to the net in order to get them to that size. And those all had varying levels of potassium and phosphorus. So that's the back row you see back there, which uh, yielded three times as much than the dual root zone that only had castings. And same, same stuff I just talked about in those plants in the back, they had uh, um, the same inputs, lingvinite, rock phosphate, uh, humic acid, that's another one that I like to put in there, BioLive, and uh, seabird guano. And so they all had varying levels and that's how that came out. So significant advantage over um, uh, not supplementing at all through the dual work zone and just using uh, homemade castings. So not, and I'm sure you could vary that a little bit too based on what you made the castings out of, but the castings that I make here are out of my worm bins that only, I only feed fruit and flowering vegetables too. So it's not like those are getting fed, um, you know, lawn scraps and a lot of high nitrogen stuff. It was, uh, it was castings made specifically in mind to be high in potassium and phosphorus. And that, that's essentially as much as I could get um, into those castings and what I got out of it was still really good. It smoked really good. It, it seemed to actually be more pest resistant because I did have some spider mites and some thrips during that particular run um, that I had to cut out in other areas. Nothing that finished to this point, but I didn't have to cut anything really out of this plant the, of the castings only. It had a little bit of pressure on it, but for the most part, it ev everything turned out fine. So it seemed to be a little bit more bug resistant. I don't know if that was just by chance. It happened to be in a low pressure spot or what happened, but um, that was the really the only, I would say, positive um, that the castings only plant had over anything that was supplemented. The other plants yielded more, they smelled better, they tasted better. Uh, they had more flower sites, pretty much everything across the board with the exception of the possibility of being slightly better, um, slightly less pressured by insects. And this is a, a straight, um, no, uh, there was no pruning done. There was no, like any, all you see all those leaves that are still there that were falling off. Um, it was, it was all left to, to just, be like it grows. So there was no extra thinning done on one plant versus the other ones. Um, it was strictly just leave it alone and let it finish. It did finish earlier, maybe two to three days earlier than the other one. And if you if you take the uh, the class that we have over at apmjclass.com, we actually have 
probably about 45 minutes just solely on this one topic <laughs> and we have in the lectures that we we go on and on and on about all these different variables um, we're continuing to add lots of new content uh, marty and i both are doing you know different side by sides and different experiments and different work all the time and constantly adding new stuff to it. So definitely things to uh to consider um you know for sure uh, and that's over apmjclass.com in fact let me throw that up here on the uh, on the screen. Make sure we have it in there. All right, there you go. So you can go over to teachable.com or apmjclass.com, and you can see here uh, the full online class. Go over here's a that that row down the end that he was showing you. I was showing you a second ago. And just a bunch of just you know really good content we cover all different types of stuff um, from you know building to pest management to um, pest control you know different types of uh, all different things you can run into uh, as well as advanced um, co2 production all different types of things so you know and uh, tons more topics and we're constantly adding more again uh, um, we have over 600, uh, 600 different uh, slides in the, in the class and uh, quite a few different lectures, uh, hundreds and hundreds of lectures uh, that Marty and I have together uh, combined over there and uh, apmjclass.com. So uh, definitely a really cool resource if you're looking to learn more about aquaponic cannabis from the top to bottom, um, you know, in a, in a really in-depth way that we cover everything and a lot of the stuff we you know we do longer tangents on and you, you know uh, really cover you know step by step by step or um, exactly what's going on or or you know we show off uh you know a whole 15 or 20 minutes on some of these different side by sides that we've done and, and have different slides or videos on it and uh, you know just kind of gives you different perspectives far above and beyond a lot of the other stuff that's out there certainly in the education realm for sure yeah, and I am just now going through, um, um, I think I'm up to like 500 and something uh, lectures now that have been edited. And I think 400 and something of those are already uploaded. And so, those, you know, just like there's on like their, uh, you know, PowerPoint style presentation with uh, voiceover and discussion and um, pictures, uh, you know, examples. So those are all great. We're all, some of the new content that I'm working on is um, uh, a microscope section that will where will be uh, focused on um, looking at trichomes as opposed to microbes. So I know we have some uh, stuff already in terms of like pictures of different things, but uh, <clears throat> I've done a couple of different um, recordings now where it's just basically my process for how I go through and select a sample out of the garden, take it over to the microscope, look underneath it, and just talk through whatever it is that I am looking at um, in order to decide whether or not to harvest it. Because that seems to be a question that comes up um, on a regular basis for it. <laughs> new growers, old growers. Uh, I feel like even revisit this question on a regular basis. Um, so now that I have a, a super nice uh, Omax microscope uh, that I got for Christmas. Um, I can hook that up to the computer and be able to um, record uh, pretty high resolution pictures of different types of trichomes, 
of what they look like when they're clear, what they look like when they're cloudy, what they look like when they're amber. Um, so that, that's kind of the next thing that's up. We also do the um, what we call the whiteboard sessions, where it's basically like a live class that in, um, you guys can connect up to. So anybody that's a member of the class can connect. We had two or three people on the last one looking to get uh, the next one scheduled. Try to do at least one a month. Some Sometimes we'll have two, like this particular month, I believe we'll have two just because of 420. Uh, so everybody plan for that. Uh, that's going to be fun. So um, yeah, I think that's just the, the type of fun stuff that we get to do and make sure that we cover stuff that you have questions on. Uh, the whiteboard sessions are, are live. They're a Zoom class that you would, you would join just like this and the whiteboard behind me and we can answer questions. Although most of the time anymore, we don't draw too much stuff on the whiteboard, but um, you know, a lot of stuff is just online or sometimes it's questions about products or um, all, all kinds of different things. So uh, that, that time is set aside for question and answer to be able to talk about anything that you guys weren't able to get answered in any of the lectures already. And then we record those and upload those as well so that other people will be able to view them as we move forward. So that's kind of the idea is that we'll just continue to develop content like that and just build a library of aquaponic cannabis knowledge for you guys to have access to. Yeah, that and we're going to have a whole bunch. I'm going to have a whole bunch of new aquaponic cannabis facility tours um, that we're going to have on there. We're going to have an ever growing library of different um, uh, tours of different aquaponic cannabis facilities that are you know actual running commercial aquaponic facilities and there might be you know they might not show you every single thing that they're doing but they'll definitely give you a i'll give you a as much of a tour as i'm i'm allowed to share and some places don't let me share anything and some places do so um you know it, it is what it is with, with some of my consulting clients but um i do have uh, three or four this year that are going to let me uh, give them pretty good tours of their facilities here and we'll include that as well. So uh, you'll definitely have access to, you know, a very different perspective uh, compared to what most other um, uh, people are doing. Uh, someone asked if we're still doing water testing. Yes, you can also find out more information on our, our commercial aquaponic uh, vegetable uh, testing over at truenewaquaponics.com. And you can find out uh, information on the commercial and home aquaponic cannabis nutrient stuff over at apmjnutes.com. We have a, a full form, um, set of aquaponic cannabis nutrients uh, and they're all dosed out. You can pick the size of your system and it gives you uh, different label instructions. You know, when you receive it, it gives you customized dosing instructions so that you don't overdose. Um, we try to make it as easy as possible. That's why we ask for your gallons um, when when you, we send you product uh, so that we can make sure that you do have those the correct dosing um, because the last thing we want to do is have you uh, buy something from our website and uh, and hurt your stuff so definitely a cool thing to check out and we also have subscription services uh, available as well uh, or you can also if you're growing cannabis uh, you can sign up for how many weeks of veg and flour and get those kits per week uh, for your system so we have a whole bunch of different cool options depending on you know what type of growth style you have. So, uh, and trying to make things, as, again, as easy as possible. A lot of people are intimidated by aquaponic cannabis and uh, we just try to make it um, you know, as simple as possible so that um, you don't really have to 
you know, work very hard. You can try to just focus on your plants and not have to worry about the chemistry as much. So yeah, thanks a lot uh, uh, for for asking about that. Um, uh, what else have you been? Uh, what are the different cultivars that you're growing in your grow? I know you mentioned a little bit earlier, but um, what are what do you got going on in your grow right now? And then do you have anything maybe you're going to be growing here in the future or near future that might be so, the what now? I'm, I'm what are you still, putting out here for your your outdoor? Um, so for my outdoor, I'm prepping a lot of Thorsberry, which um, has been in the cycle before. So a lot of those pictures that you were looking at before, so it's been um, kind of the one that I already have a standard on that uh, and I really want to see how it does outdoors. I had friends that ran it outdoors and it did really well. Um, I also don't want to grow it indoors because it seems to be uh, prone to herming out indoors, excuse me. I've had the same cut um, of that Thorsberry herm out, I want to say on like maybe three out of 30 plants or something like, excuse me. So it's, um, uh, I would say sensitive to lighting, but didn't have any issues outdoors. So that's why the majority of those that I already had set up in clones are gonna go outside. And um, so I'm gonna grow Thorsberry outdoors. I'm gonna grow Sunset Sherbert outdoors. It's just kind of my new favorite and it's going in other tests anyway so want to have that going the snowman is probably the best i would say anti-anxiety strain so i'm always going to have some of those around because um, those are good for my wife who sometimes will get triggered by high thc smoke so um or i should say high thc alone without other cannabinoids or other because you can have it, it, you can have them as long as it's not low in everything else. So um, anyway, the more earthy kind of smelling strains um, definitely seem to be a little bit better for her own personal experience. So I'll always have a couple of those around uh, to have some access to that. Um, I have the Pineapple Jack, which will be um, uh, ready to go for the next round. I also have the the Kush cross that he did. I think he calls it Kajoa Kush or something like that. But it's uh, Blackberry Kush crossed with Master Kush, and one other one that I forget now. Um, so it's definitely, um, or those are the kind of three different ones that um, I'll have on deck for the next round, in addition to the same ones that I have now. Uh, I do have some beans for other strains that are in and ready to go, but they're just seedlings at this point. So those probably won't be done for a little while longer. Uh, those are probably, because what I've been doing is just growing them out until I can get enough clones of them. Um, I, and I've been going back and forth on this. I do want to at some point, you know, again, I can only grow so many plants at a time and it gets frustrating, but at some point I want to try growing the seed. Right now I grow the seed out as the mom and I take clones of the mom and flower the clones. But <clears throat> I am interested to see if there would be any difference in um, 
taking clones of the mom flowering the seed plant and seeing if there's a difference in expression um and because i've just always been curious i have friends that swear by doing it both ways and i don't think either one of them ever tried it the other way so i kind of want to do it the opposite way that i do it now which is selecting them is flowering out a clone of a mom and having to um check it that way see if it's something that i want to keep so that's kind of where i'm at with that you know again i can only change so many things at a time without losing the ability to track <laughs> what difference gets made i can't switch the soil to the what i want to switch the soil to and the switch the size of the plant and switch the method in which i do it and switch the strain in which i'm doing it it's just uh like i have to have some baselines that i have to maintain for at least a couple of runs so that i can establish a difference um that's measurable and man a plant count is just so much harder to do that with that even if i had uh even if i had more space wouldn't necessarily make a difference in this because my plant count will be the same so really unless we can figure out a way to get uh, a larger plant count from uh, the medical program or get a rec license is really the only options for that so Right now we're maxed out for a medical grow as much as we can get. But uh, for a rec license, um, all new applications are still on hold. Uh, I could buy a license from someone else and then sort of get bumped to the front of the, uh, well, not the front, but you go to a different line, a shorter line. If you purchase a license and you haven't moved to a new address, you still have to go through the whole process of getting it uh, licensed again but you don't have to wait as long for it. But it's still, uh, it's still gonna be tough for any of that to change. So right now I'm just doing the best I can with my significantly lower plant count and uh, trying to exercise patience. Well, Awesome. Um, so is there any strains that you're thinking about doing towards the end of the year or next year? Or is there any breeding programs longer term that you're working on? I, <clears throat> I have some beans set aside, but I haven't, I haven't started any of them just because I don't have the time <laughs> to really work with them. And my bedroom's completely full right now um, with all of the veg plants that I can have. So I can't really do much more than what I'm already doing it's um yeah maxed out on plant counts pretty much everywhere and um and right now in the bedroom i'm maxed out on space so the the greenhouse will be um be completed and will be light depth and i'll be able to get at least um, multiple harvests out of it so i plan on doing um you know a different set of strains later in the year it's just a the sheer work involved with getting all those things done at the same time. Like I got to keep the indoor running. I got to uh, get the, the greenhouse finished building. I got to build the aquaponic system inside of that. I got to get it filled up. 
<clears throat> and I have to have plans ready to do that. So luckily I have, you know, the clone operation is in full swing and I'm able to, I have plans to be able to put in it as soon as it's done. But then as soon as it's done, it's going to be empty and I'm going to have to start creating so I have enough plans to be able to fill up the indoor again as we go. So it's just kind of always until I'm able to expand my bedroom situation out, uh, it's going to be a little bit tougher. Now, when the greenhouse is in place with light depth, I'll be able to probably easier do a veg cycle in there so it won't be perpetual harvest like the indoor is it'll get loaded up and vegged out and then light depth flowered out the whole thing at once. So <clears throat> I'm uh, really just a one man operation other than um, my wife who probably counts as two people. Uh, she does a great job helping out with all that stuff um, as well, but we don't have any additional help. We don't have, uh, you know, I don't have a staff. I don't um, do it. And I spend 12 hours a day taking care of my dad. So your wife is a huge help when we do the classes there. She's, she's fucking awesome. Yeah, she does pretty much everything um, from, you know, transplanting clones. Uh, she doesn't, she's not big on building systems. She doesn't want to design or do plumbing or like any of that stuff. But uh, in terms of taking care of plants or watering plants or transplanting clones or doing all that stuff, she can crush it. What's up, Indica? I was so trying to find, uh, you must be typing. I was trying to find some pictures of uh, something that we were we talked about, and I can't seem to find them offhand. But I think they go back older than when I had that Google photo account. So. That's all right. I'll find it later. <coughs> um, so we had a, let me look at questions from chat here. Is uh, you guys have recommendations like a greenhouses for hot climates? Definitely do split roof with the top vent in the in the center with the ridge vent. It'll it'll make an enormous enormous difference. Also geothermal if you have the soil depth to do it. Yeah, hoop houses in hot climates specifically are going to be harder to keep your temperature regulated because you, you don't get a lot of ventilation directly out the top. So. Even better if you can hydro cool it. So like in tropical, if you can do a heat exchanger, if you can, especially if you have a well or something, you can pull that cold water up and you can recirculate that water through your floor and then pump that back underground or put it, you know, use it for other things. Uh, and pull that off or use it for filling your tank, you know, have the water from underground flow underneath your stuff or uh, flow through a radiant heater uh, and then go into your water holding tanks or into your cisterns or wherever it is that the water is going to end up anyway, um, or just pump it back underground. Um, all those things can be, you know, especially in the tropics can make a huge difference in cooling. Uh, the hydronic cooling in particular, you know, basically is, is hydro geothermal. Um, I guess is the, the shorthand version of it, but is a, is a really, really good way, especially in the tropics and one of the ways that we've managed to do it uh, in particularly hot places. But, you, you know, again, your, your property has to have a water table that will facilitate that. Um, you know, it's not going to be something you can do everywhere. 
Yeah, and I would say just whatever model of greenhouse you end up going with. I mean, there's a lot of them out there now. I mean, steel frame is, you know, going to be beneficial over um, <clears throat> just straight PVC, but design, I feel like it's going to be uh, more important in a hot climate, you know, unless you get a lot of wind. Um, your your overall design, you you really should have a way to vent directly out of the top of the greenhouse um, in yeah, some doing, way. So they have a, a meth, in fact, let me pull up some pictures of it. It's called a split level uh, greenhouse. So it can be, you know, it's still pretty similar, but you can, you just have it so they can passively vent out the top. Um, and then just, if you're gonna go light deprivation, you just have to have a way to also monitor, monitor your temperatures and vent air out when you're in the dark out phase. So light traps um, are gonna be something that you'll have to have if you're going to do uh, um, light deprivation in a hot climate. Well, I'm trying to find a good picture here. Give me a second here, I'll find a good one. Oh, I just saw a good one, where is it? There it is. Okay. So if you're in the tropics, you're gonna want a design that's more like this, where you can open that top bridge up. This will fold out, unfold out, and this will give you an enormous avenue to dump that heat out. That, that heat can roll up both edges and then dump right out the top, right? So <clears throat> depending on the wind orientation that you, you set them up at, because in the equator, it doesn't really matter what direction you set them up at. Um, if you're in the tropics or you know anywhere where it's particularly hot, um, it, the orientation doesn't matter quite as much. So um, you know the main issue is is making sure you can get a little bit of a breeze to to help carry that heat away, uh, to dump that heat out as it's generated. So that's going to be your your key issue. Uh, so something like that or something like that, where you have those huge ridge vents to dump that heat out, is going to be critical. That makes sense. So that's again having grown in Jamaica and in Africa now. It, it's that's standard operating procedure for, for any greenhouse design. I asked New Mexico. What was that? Uh, he said that he's not in the tropics. He's in dry ass New Mexico. Yeah, close enough, I guess. Well, so there, I would highly recommend geothermal if you can, because it gets cold in the winter. And geothermal is going to help you with the height, the 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 cold winters and the warm summers. Plus, if it's you know, New Mexico is pretty high altitude, so um, evaporative cooling, like swamp coolers and wet walls, are going to be much more efficient there than uh, many other places. So you'll you'll get a, a real good efficiency out of those in terms of cooling. Whereas you know, places like Oklahoma, they're not going to be uh, anywhere near as efficient. Yeah, at least the, the, the wet walls. Right, it's just too humid already. Yep. Fuckers. And then when you're doing your light dip, you just have to remember that you'll need light traps in order to be able to vent air out during the day. 
um, when everything is closed up. So when you're in your blackout phase, if you're, um, you know, getting still getting hit hard by high temperatures, um, then it, it can be a problem. And so just choose the timing that will regulate your temperature the best, I would say, so that you can you know, extend out that that daytime to where you're taking up most of the heat um, when you are not in your nighttime cycle. You don't want to be, you want to have your tarps closed up at the hottest part of the day and no way to vent in the air out of them. So just, you just got to be a little bit smart about when you choose to do it. You want to have your, uh, the, you're not going to be able to avoid in your longest days having the tarp closed uh, while the sun's still up, but just try to calculate it so that it's, um, you're, you have the hottest part of the time where your, your black tarp is not pulled. So usually that means either in the morning or the evening, whichever one that sets up best for you to kind of extend out that time and just choose carefully when you do it because you can't have the same amount of airflow when you have your blackout part covered up unless you have significant ducting with light traps on the end of them. And most of your large vendors will have the ability to sell you those with them. Um, and some of them, uh, <clears throat> like some of the ones that run down the sides. So instead of having a big like golden arm cover or something that goes all the way over the top, they have panels that will slide down the, um, each side and expand out to do the blackout. I think it's, I'm probably going to get it wrong, but it's like forever flowering or one of those ones that has sliding panels instead of a cover that covers the whole thing. And some of those are engineered to have more airflow during the blackout phase. So it might be something that's worth looking into if you know you're going to be in a super hot area and can't completely avoid um, having uh, your tarp closed when the sun is up. Uh, you may not want to go with just a hoop style manual pole, cover the whole thing at once. It might be worth the more money that you would spend in engineering um, an installation to have one that will just be useful from day one. Awesome. Um, so uh, what somebody else asked, what are you feeding your fish in the grow? I am feeding my fish. Um, it's a game fish food. I think it's designed for like catfish or, um, you know, bluegill. It's uh, basically sold by um, the local grange co-op for people to feed to their pond fish. So a lot of people have bass and catfish and some people even have trout uh, that they stock in their, their fishing ponds to be able to fish out of. So um, <clears throat> that's uh, that's what I feed them. I believe it's made by Purina, so it's not uh, um, not any type of specialty food fish at all. And then I feed them other stuff occasionally, um, like uh, Bokashi brand. I feed them about once to twice a week. So that's just an EM1 Bokashi brand. <clears throat> that I got from Terragenics, Terragenics, I think it is. Um, so that that's another one that I feed that just helps inoculate with, uh, you know, labs basically. 
Um, and then red worms out of the worm bin. Uh, I like to feed them those periodically. But yeah, just normal fish food. I buy, I think a 60 pound bag of it. I wanna say is about 38 to $42, somewhere in there. And I think I'm on year two, maybe halfway through a 60 pound bag. I can't awesome. freak out. Didn't know what to do. I, uh, I've been doing some, some morel hunting. Nice. I did a little, a little morel hunting the other day. Uh, it's been about that season here in Oklahoma. So, uh, yeah, if you're out there, get out there. Take your meat thermometer. I don't know. I think mine's in my backpack in the other room, but take your meat thermometer and you stick it in the soil and you're looking for, you know, 61, 62 or 63 degrees. Uh, depending on your local area. Most of the ones I found were 62 or 63 degrees Fahrenheit uh, in the soil. And you're just sticking it down about, you know, two or three inches. Um, just, you know, just enough to get that soil layer or that fruiting body is. And uh, you can get a real good idea of if you're too early or too late in that area. It's kind of the way to cheat with morels. Yeah, we, we get them around here quite a bit. <clears throat> I haven't found any on the property yet, but I think that's mostly just from lack of looking at the right time, finding other shit to do. <clears throat> but um, but yeah, definitely big morale season right now. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely get out there and uh, if anyone's in Southern Oklahoma and wants to go hunting next few weeks, let me know. We'll uh, do some some more looking. So somebody asked, do you get dense nugs? I don't know if you're talking to Indica or to us, but yes. Uh, I mean, obviously it's a little bit strain dependent, but um, like the snowman, for instance, it, it has dense rock hard nugs. You know, it's got cookies genetics. So, you know, that's not super surprising, but um, rock hard nugs for, for strains that have that kind of tendency. And obviously light intensity makes a big difference then too. But, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, like for instance, the snowman, the um, the grinder has a hard time grinding them up because they're like little rocks. Yeah, no, I've I've definitely had no issues with with nug density at all with uh, with aquaponic cannabis. Uh, mostly just comes down to cultivar, and then you know not going super nuts with your nitrogen and flour. I think a lot of people have issues with, with nug density in aquaponics because they, they run way too high nitrogen and flour. I know there's other companies that tell you to feed more in flour, which is absolutely ridiculous and not what you should be doing. Um, <laughs> you gotta drift down that nitrogen, not increase it, uh, so. <coughs> right, and no matter, <coughs> No matter how much you change the uh, the amount you feed, it's never going to change the ratio, right? Like if you have you feed ten grams of food or hundred grams of food, the ratio is still five one one, if that. You know, probably not even that. 
uh, it, so it's never changing the amount that you feed is never going to get you to the ratio that you want in order to get at it. So, and, and feeding more is just going to make the problem worse. You know, less dense nugs, more airy. Um, and yeah, don't do it. I mean, I, I can understand why, like maybe originally people thought that would be a good idea, you know, that the plants take up more nutrients in flower than they do in veg. And while that, that is definitely true, we need to change the ratio, not, not the amount. Otherwise, <clears throat> it doesn't happen. And it, the nitrogen just gets too high. Then we can use other plants like I do to take it up and help minimize the swing and make sure that it doesn't stay up for too long. But uh, that's only going to get you so far. You're still not going to be, you know, just like on the pictures that Steve showed you of the um, plants that didn't have uh, P and K, um, they were much thinner and not nearly uh, as dense as the other ones were. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> so yeah, even though um, these castings were specifically made in order to try and achieve less nitrogen um, and the system itself was uh, set up to not have nitrogen spikes, it still showed a, a major difference um, just by doing that. Yeah, I love I love my gritty memes too. <laughs> yes, I'm well aware. You got the the robot that died in Philly, Elmo and Gritty. That's right. You know, fuck around in Philly. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> I'm trying to see. We we cover all different types of cool stuff in our class too. A different. Uh, Diseases and pests and all different types of things. And Gertie memes. You have like cool robber flies eating four inch long grasshoppers and other cool things. And our insect guide. It's from an outdoor grow. Always, always good stuff. Well, do we have any other questions in chat, guys? We kind of, uh, we uh, have had a little, <laughs> I have a whole bunch of people in queue, but uh, this past week or two, and I think between now and 420, we're going to have, we're certainly going to have some guests, but it's going to be uh, harder to get some of the people that we have in the queue. Um, just because of obvious reasons with the holidays coming up. What do you got planned for the holiday out there? Um, well, I believe there's going to be, you know, usually there's a THC fair. I'm not sure how that's going to work in terms of 
um, COVID regulations. Um, but normally we, we have like a sort of a socially distanced uh, 420 celebration, um, kind of a, everybody brings their own joints. It's always weird, you know, because everybody's used to passing stuff around. Um, so that, that, and obviously not everyone cares. So there's that. Um, well, we try to keep the circles pretty small in terms of that, but uh, definitely um, <clears throat> got someone coming into town that wants to, you know, celebrate the holiday to its fullest. And this is a great place to do that. So that will, uh, that'll be fun. Um, other than that, yeah, I think we'll probably just stick to the usual smoke a lot of weed all day. What about you? Well, uh, I usually cook a, a turbacon ducking on Thanksgiving and on 420 for my friends. So I'll probably do that again. Um, I'll, although currently are having issues with the oven, so I'm gonna have to find someone else's house to let me use their kitchen, but I'm sure that won't be too hard to find if I offer to come over and cook a bunch of food. And usually that's pretty easy. Thing to arrange. Um, the other than that, uh, I don't. We're going to go to. Um, there's a 420, uh, or no, I guess it's on 418. Um, Afro Man is playing with Kid something, Kid Cootie, Kid something. I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> anyways, he's super cool though. I met him in person. Uh, we did we, the dreaded dude. Not, well, I've met actually both of them before. But uh, it'll be a fun time. Um, uh, there's a really cool venue down where we are. Where it's one of the handful of cannabis-friendly music venues in in the whole country, uh, where bigger bands can come play and and you can smoke weed inside, and there's not kind of a any issue. So, um, kind of makes it unique and and a lot of fun to live where I do live. So, definitely uh, looking forward to that. So, that'll be on 418, and then uh, um, just doing some more mushroom hunting between now and 420 and then uh just i'll be doing a bunch of traveling with the holiday just moving a bunch of product around the state and uh yeah a bunch of new clients coming down the pipeline a bunch of new people in different states getting new stuff online so just a lot of new and interesting things Right on. Well, I got to go put some kids to bed, but uh, if you guys want to find out more info, you can find me at AP Meds um, on both Instagram, uh, YouTube, and uh, you can check out the class that Steve mentioned. That link will be in the description. Also, shout out to Bloom Plus, to Mars Hydro, and to our newest member of the Grow Off, um, uh, the Spider Farmer. LED. Uh, so shout out to all you guys uh, for being involved in the grow off. And we will definitely put the links up to all those lights so that you guys can check them out. Um, yeah, if you guys have any questions, let me know. Uh, obviously, the Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Facebook group is worth checking out if you're not a member. Um, you know, we're up to like 7,000 members now or some ridiculous amount like that, uh, that all do what we're talking about. So or at least are interested in what we talk about. Um, so definitely check that out where, you know, most of my 
uh, updates get posted to there in terms of um, pictures I post, uh, you know, almost daily, most of the time in terms of the grow offs um, and different plants that I have going. Uh, so you can definitely check them out there. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Go ahead, Steve. All right. Well, um, you can find me at uh, Potent Ponics at SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, all the things. Uh, Marty and I have a class together at apmjclass.com, apmjclass.com. Uh, we have the Aquaponic Cannabis Facebook group, which is hard to get to unless you type in the URL, which is facebook.com slash groups slash apcana, A-P-C-A-N-N-A. And uh, yeah, uh, check out the YouTube. Um, please subscribe if you can. We're getting really close to 10,000 subscribers. We're also closing in on a million views. Uh, so if you haven't checked out some of the other content, be sure to check that out. Um, you know, kind of some a couple of big milestones for the channel we're getting really close to. So looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, just have a bunch of cool stuff in the works. Nothing particularly soon. That's the new farms we'll be working on that I'll be doing some video on soon. Just a bunch of kind of uh, exciting things for April and May coming up for the summer, but uh, nothing really uh, right now that I can I can share a whole lot on. And uh, yeah, just kind of looking forward to the next one. Looking forward to 420, and uh, looking forward uh, to spending more time with you guys. Also, um. Go check out, uh, I had a really good time over on Tuesday, hanging out with Fumador and the flavors over on his channel. Uh, Clackamas Coot and I have done two kind of jam sessions over there. Uh, the last one was on Tuesday where we ended up talking about a whole bunch of weird, goofy, crazy ass content. And uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. And if you haven't checked it out, I certainly highly recommend it. We. <laughs> We nerd out on a whole bunch of different stuff, uh, and I think you guys will have a lot of fun. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I also hope to do an episode soon, too, where we get a bunch of students from the aquaponic cannabis class and just kind of have their unfiltered opinion for you guys to hear about from the class as well, from the students. So we're going to do that. And uh, we also have, uh, I guess there's a rumor going around um that uh there may or may not be a sale for the aquaponic cannabis class between now and 420 so uh if you're thinking about buying it um you might want to uh might want to consider uh uh waiting another day or two or uh, until this it goes on sale i think we're gonna have a sale here for 420. uh i will uh keep it under wraps for now beyond that but definitely uh look for that if you're holding off on on getting the class you'll definitely uh want to pick it up while it's on sale here uh, in a couple of days. So uh, definitely check that out. And then uh, also has working on some cool new stuff with um, Roger at Aquaponic Canada, uh, I'm sorry, uh, apmjnewts.com, but also true trueaquaponics.com. We've been working on some cool stuff. We have some uh, really cool new kits now for different vegetables over on true aquaponics for uh, tomatoes and you know, kind of some specialized nutrient kits uh, for aquaponics. So if you're really looking to you know, make your home vegetable garden excel. Definitely check that out as well. All right, guys. Uh, uh, thanks for watching. Um, thanks for listening to us uh, a drone on tonight. And uh, we will catch you guys again next week. Um, we have a whole bunch of cool guests again in the queue. Uh, I don't want to spoil them, but we have some cool people that you guys have been asking for for a while. And then the return of some very rare guests. 
um, uh, that are also going to be coming back on the show, whom have done very few interviews, and I will let you do the math. So that'll be a lot of fun when he comes back on the show. And uh, yeah, um, we'll leave it at that. Thanks a lot. Um, be sure to check us out, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, all the things, uh, Potent Ponics are going with fishes. And